When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. Diaz, still Diaz, takes a deflection, and in it goes! So Liverpool were top of the Premier League after Saturday's draw with Spurs. And of course, there's two cup finals in the bag as well. But this team has set the bar so high that a draw was pretty hard to take. So what now for the title race? And was this the weekend that the dream died? Don't forget, if you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can read all of the articles on Liverpool, everything else on the site. Head to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. Special price right now, £1 a month for six months. That's a pound a month for six months at theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. I'm Steve Hoversall and this is The Red Agenda and today we've got a couple of great guests on James Pearce and Simon Hughes as we reflect on that draw with Spurs and James, it was pretty hard to get your head around. There was a there was a deflated mood in Anfield. Yeah, I thought it was a bit of a mix of emotions really. Yeah, frustration and disappointment, but it was also bullish, wasn't it? I think I think within a few seconds of the final whistle the, the kind of the atmosphere picked up again and I think I think you could see that it meant a lot to the players, the fact that the, the fans responded in that manner because you know regardless of what happens in the next couple of weeks you know this has been an absolutely magnificent season and and even you know there, there wouldn't even be a title race but for the the crazy high standards Liverpool have set you know let's not forget that you know that gap was 14 points at one point in January so um frustrating and obviously compounded by Newcastle rolling over and the manner in which they ultimately did at the Etihad on on Sunday, you know, huge advantage to City now with you know not only the three point cushion but the the four extra goal difference. But you won't hear Klopp or his players conceding defeat because you know I think anyone who's been a Liverpool fan for a decent period of time will know that we know that miracles do happen and that's that's what Liverpool are in need of again now and they're not in control of their own destiny they need favours from elsewhere but do you know what I don't think it's completely over they've still got Man City have got to go to Wolves you know, we saw Wolves take a point off Chelsea and and show a lot of fight at the weekend they've still got to go to West Ham and I think you know the fact that West Ham aren't in the Europa League final and the fact that West Ham still you know are, are trying to get a top six finish and clamber above United you know and then then you've got the Steven Gerrard factor on the final day so yeah a, a tough weekend to take but but not over for me right let's stay positive on the pod then and it was deflating for some Jurgen said afterwards he told his players to not behave like you know they'd been to a funeral how did you feel Si immediately after that draw I just wanted to go to bed <laughs> <laughs> to be honest um, he was that drunk <laughs> uh, it's difficult I mean if you ask him from a, a fan perspective or a journalistic perspective you, you get two slightly different answers I mean I, I suppose from a journalistic perspective to some extent not 
a huge amount changes because Liverpool were still were always going to need City to slip up in some way in the last month of the season. Now they, they probably need City, well, they either need City to draw two games or lose one and Liverpool to obviously score a few goals in, in, in their victories. So, you know, it's, it's still absolutely possible, of course. Of course it could happen. Uh, City's record at Wolves hasn't been great under Guardiola. It's, it's a ground that's very tough to go to. Liverpool... I've, I've won there regularly under Klopp, but there've been no gimmies. It's always been really close, and it's a sort of supporter base at Wolves that likes to try and upset the establishment a little bit. So I think they'll be right up for it. Uh, do I expect City to slip up? No, because you know they've been in this position before. They obviously performed very well against Newcastle after the day after Liverpool's draw with Tottenham. But then if if you ask as a fan, you you just it's mixed really because you, you, you sort of think about the opportunity that Liverpool have had. Any other fan of any other team would absolutely kill for, for what, what has been in front of Liverpool and what remains in front of Liverpool. You know, it's been an amazing season. But when it's as tantalisingly close as it is and to make in some, you know, to, to make to make not just Liverpool history, but football history... You can't help but think about that. I mean, it's impossible not to. But while there's still games left, I think you've got to just hope that the the pressure gets to um to Manchester City's players. It certainly seemed to me yesterday, listening to Pep Guardiola talking in his post match, with some of his um some of his comments, which sounded to me a bit like some bot on Twitter just taking control of his brain. To be honest, that clearly he's feeling a bit of pressure. I think there was a, a lot of relief as well, you know, after a very difficult week for him. Players react differently to acute sorts of pressure. I don't expect City to slip up from here, but you just don't know. In those tight moments against decent opposition, they've got that they're playing three competitive teams, I, I, I would say. Two teams that have still got something to play for. And then as James says, Stephen, the Steven Gerrard equation where... Let's face it, he came to Anfield in in, Gen- in uh, December and Villa put up a really good defensive performance that day. They're going to need to do something similar, I think, and get and get something on the counter-attack. If, if I was Steven Gerrard, I'd be looking at Tottenham's performance at City and, and trying, to, trying to recreate that in some way. James, just on what Si was saying then, with reference to Pep talking about Liverpool, it was all a bit odd, wasn't it? Pep saying that, you know, everyone... Everyone in the world supports Liverpool. It was almost like, you know, we're in a corner fighting for ourselves. But I don't think you ever find the Liverpool manager volunteering to talk about Man City. No, I thought it was very weird. And we, we've seen it before. You know, what was it? A couple of months back, Bernardo Silva suddenly started talking about Liverpool when he wasn't even asked about Liverpool. And it, it, Man City, the staff, the club in general, I think, you know, the players... You know they do. They do seem to have some strange obsession with Liverpool, and I'm not sure what it is. Whether well, I think I think part of it is jealousy. I think certainly Pep he feels I think he, he doesn't get the the wider credit that he thinks he deserves for what he's done there and the team he's built, and it's too easily dismissed as as all being down to the the bottomless pit of cash that they're able to to dip into. But yeah, I, I just thought it was really odd, and I think you know surely. For a start, for a start, I think any Liverpool fan will know, and you know, and I, I, I feel it on social media on a daily basis. That you know, and certainly on the back of Saturday night, the glee from fans up and down the country that Liverpool slipped up. You know, the idea that the country is like 
united as one behind Liverpool in the in the you know and desperate to see them be it's just absolute rubbish isn't it because you know for a start I think it's uneasy for a lot of clubs seeing Liverpool pushing City so close because I think it's quite easy to dismiss what City are doing as well do you know what we can't compete with them because you know they've got the most expensively assembled squad ever you know it's not possible but Liverpool have shown it is possible with a self-sustaining business model if you're smart and you you're shrewd and you buy players right and you develop talent and you've got the right structure in place at all levels Liverpool have shown there is another way it's not just all about the money and I I think I think for, for other clubs and for fans of other clubs I think that makes them feel a bit uneasy. And I also think the other factor is there's a degree of jealousy in terms of, you know, the fact that Liverpool are in a Champions League final. We know that that is the one that Pep Guardiola wants more than anything else. He's failed again this season. So I think I think that's part of it. So, yeah, all very odd. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what he was trying to achieve apart from you know, playing to the galleries with the City fans a bit. Maybe he felt that he... Uh, he wanted to to do that for them on the on the back of the way in which they capitulated in the Bernabeu later. I I thought it was in some ways strange timing, but then in in other ways quite understandable because it is reflective of the pressure that he's been on under this week. You know, as James said, I think he's been brought to Man City to win the Champions League, not to win multiple Premier League titles. And if he doesn't win that, it will be a black mark on his his time at Man City, no matter what um, the standard of football that he's produced and, and the domestic medals that he's won. Now, to me, it, it just stunk of the sort of groupthink that I, I, I believe exists at City, which has been in place for, for some time. And finally, he's cracked and, and shown really sort of what, what people really think at the club. And I think there's a, there's a jealousy. There's, there's a jealousy and a, a misunderstanding at City about Liverpool in the sense that you know, City have only been a serious football club in terms of winning trophies in the last 10 to 12 years. You know, let's be honest, Liverpool's history is, is in terms of its success and its impact on English culture, European football culture, spans decades and decades and decades and decades. And I think it's very difficult to sort of... To, to compete with that and very difficult to surmount that as well. And I, I think that City think, you know, that there's a thought process of City, well, why are we not getting the sort of level of respect that, that Liverpool, you know, Liverpool have had over a long period of time, despite not winning the league for, for such a long time, if, we, if we're being totally honest. And well, it's because Liverpool's history is, is, is much greater than Man City's in terms of, you know, trophy winning, building trophy winning teams and, and the, the popularity that the club has across the world. Psych, Jamie Carragher and, um, and Micah Richards were having that debate in terms of why City aren't treated as a as a big club. And Carragher said, well, it's just because you've not won the European Cup, basically. Yeah, Guardiola, I think, is, is you know, an intelligent bloke who I would have thought would have known this, you know, when he took the job on. At the end of the day, City would not be in the position where they are now without the intervention of the ownership and obviously there's a big debate. We could go on a big debate about now about why why they're involved in football. There's an element of that, you know, that creeps into the conversation as well. I think I actually think in Europe there's the possibly less respect for what City have done. A because they haven't won a European trophy. B because Europe resents the fact that English ownership has has the these ownership models which have allowed English clubs to dominate over the rest of Europe in that time. 
So I think they're going to have a long, it's a long, going to be a long old battle to win people over, hearts and minds. You know, it's, it's a hard to mind sort of war, if you like, for City, which which is going to take a long time for to earn the sort of respect that I think they look at Liverpool, which Liverpool has as a club. But then, you know, we've spoken about Pep as well. We, we should probably speak about Jürgen Klopp's comments, which I thought were... What about Pep's style of play? Well, uh, well, about about sorry about um about Conte's football. Sorry, Conte style of play. That that's what I meant. So, well, well, both let's managers go- have shown that really, you know, that they're not infallible in these pressure moments. I think that you know it shows you. It just shows you the impact that I think it has on people. Well, it can get spiky, can't it? I think this was always going to be the toughest game in the running, wasn't it, James? This is a Spurs side that have done the double over Manchester City. So there's no underestimating that the quality in there, and they came with a certain game plan. Yeah, and they carried it out absolutely perfectly, didn't they? I think um, you you have got to give big credit to, to Antonio Conte for just how well drilled and organised they were. You know, you, you were watching it, you know, having sat in the Anfield press room and watched Manchester United fall to pieces again at Brighton earlier, thinking, you know, it's hard to believe that Man United turned their noses up at, at a point, appointing Conte. And, you know, he's, and he's put... Tottenham, you know, in the mix to to challenge right to the end for a, a Champions League spot, and do you know what I think? I think with Klopp's comments afterwards, we've seen it before from him when you know I think back to the night when Liverpool went out of the Champions League to Atletico Madrid, and um, he said then, didn't he? You know, he, you know, he was quite critical of Diego Simeone and his style, and said, you know, I can't believe with the players they've got, you know, really you play that kind of football, and it was it was kind of similar at the weekend, although. I think I think he what he was trying to say was he was asked how impressed were you by how Tottenham defended, and essentially he said I'm the wrong person to ask that because he said that's not my brand of football that's not I don't like he wasn't he, he wasn't directly he just said that's not me that's not the way I would set a team up you know world class players that they've got I would feel like you have to do more to impose yourselves on on the game so yeah you can interpret that as sour grapes maybe to a to a degree, but I think that was the point he was getting at. There's just that's just not his way of playing, and that that's not hypocrisy. He doesn't. I can't think of a single game when he set Liverpool up just to frustrate an opponent in the in the manner in which we've seen teams come and do it recently. I think the difference was we've seen it time and time again. Teams try and do that to Liverpool this season and not being good enough to to pull it off. I think um, Tottenham were brilliant on the day. Know, they could even have nicked it with the, the couple of chances they created on the counter attack. But more than anything, I just thought Liverpool weren't quite at it, especially second half. I think they've been so good at finding a way to win. You know, whether it's grinding it out or blowing teams away, and and they just—I don't know whether it was a bit of pressure, whether it was a bit of mental or physical fatigue. But they just—it was a bit of panic that set in. You know, when I was looking at the data afterwards, and you know, they slung 31 open play crosses into the box on Saturday, more than in any other game this season. And out of those 31, six connected with a Liverpool player. And it was, it just felt like they kind of deviated from the game plan a bit. And because I think they, they just got frustrated. And um, so, yeah, partly that was down to how well Tottenham kept them at bay. And, and just, I just didn't think, you know, Liverpool just just lost their way a bit, you know, especially when, you know, when when it got really frantic late on, because you know, it, it, essentially they were playing two four four for those last fifteen minutes after Diaz equalised. Yeah, you can read all about James's thoughts and some of those stats as well on the site at the moment. It's called "This Time Liverpool Couldn't Find a Way." Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The opener from Son was outstanding, Si. You know, Son and Kane, obviously... That's the quality that they do have on the counter-attack. But it was actually only the second goal that Liverpool have conceded at home this calendar year. Yeah, well, I mean, those two players... I think this is where Jurgen Klopp, what he's trying to get at, really. Because the balance has never quite been right at Tottenham, has it, over the last five to ten years? Which explains why they haven't quite got over the line when they needed to. So, obviously, Pochettino, very exciting attacking team, weren't able to win the, the Premier League when they probably were better than Leicester that season in, in 2016. Obviously missed out on the Champions League final to Liverpool. They then go and get Mourinho, who is the opposite, really, in terms of what he's trying to do. And then I'd say Conte is more like Mourinho, but not quite enough like Pochettino to to maybe get that, you know, harness what's there. Because those two players, Kane and Son, are just brilliant. I mean, I think Son for a number of years now is... is has caused Liverpool problems in pretty much every game that he's played. Always a threat. Kane, admired him for what he's achieved at Tottenham. I'd be surprised if he looks back on his career with, with many more medals than he's got now, which is obviously none. <laughs> which which for the player of his talents and, and, and the record that he's got at Tottenham probably probably merits more than that. But, yeah, I mean, I, I I just think that with Liverpool, they, they didn't quite do enough in the second half themselves. Ultimately, with too many crosses into the box for me. Felt a little bit desperate towards the end. I know you're hoping there might be a mistake. And I think a couple of years ago when they beat Tottenham in the in the 2018-19 run-in, the goal that they scored came from a bit of speculation, you know, in the final minutes of the game. But I thought Tottenham executed the game plan really well. In terms of Klopp's arguments, I mean, there is an argument to say, well, Tottenham's holding midfielder was in the... Penalty box in the last minute, you know, and could have scored himself for, for a winner for Tottenham. Which, had they won the game, I think it would have would have, wouldn't have been a, probably a fair result. But it's one of those results where you could say, well, you know, Tottenham have done enough to win the game. So for for me, I think Liverpool three games to go, and I know Man City have have um have lost both games to Tottenham this season, and you could say, well, clearly they're a good side. But I think with 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 three games to go, if Liverpool aren't beating Tottenham at home in a game they need to win. You have to question, are, are they quite good enough to get over the line in these in, in this moment? Because I always compare to Man United 15, 20 years ago, you'd expect them to beat Tottenham with, with three games to go when the pressure's really on. People might not like to hear that, I, I don't know, but I, ju- I just feel it's, it's Liverpool have got to be, you've got to be beating Spurs at home, I'm sorry Steve, you've got yeah, to no matter what you've done. You do, and perhaps at half-time people were thinking, well Jürgen's done it, on quite a few intervals this season and something different will change 
in this second half. Didn't quite work out that way. The one thing I, I was scratching my head about was that the substitution late on in the game, James. So I felt it came really late, but then I was massively surprised it, it was Naby and not Divock Origi. Yeah, me too, Steve. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't really understand the sense in that one. I thought, especially you know, with the amount of crosses Liverpool were slinging into the box, because you know, I think what we do know about Origi is he does just give you something different. He gives you more of a physical presence, a more of a target in the box. You know, even whether whether he wins the first header, then you know whether you know you the second balls to compete for. And as Sai said, you know, I think it just increases the likelihood of just something dropping kindly for you because he has that ability to to make things happen and, you know, like he did to Everton the other week, I think it's in opponents' heads as well, the fact that he has this this habit of delivering late shows. So, yeah, I thought that was an odd one, not to, you know, I expected, you know, he went out to warm up, I think, you know, I remember tweeting it probably with about seven or eight minutes to go and you thought, well, that's clearly going to be the last change. Um, because I, I didn't think the substitutions, you know, really improved Liverpool. I thought, you know, Jota didn't impact the game. You know, again, you, you know, I think... You can't be critical, can you? Because this team have just set such crazy high standards. But, you know, Mane has been absolutely sensational the last few months, but it was a, a really quiet night for him. You know, same with Salah. You know, he was really well shackled. Um, it was only Diaz again that that really caused Tottenham problems in that in that front line. And, um, yeah, I just I just thought Origi might have posed some some different different questions of Spurs but um yeah I mean I know Klopp I thought Klopp had a point afterwards when he you know there were little things little moments weren't they which maybe in other games have gone Liverpool's way when you know he was annoyed that people had anticipated that I think it was when Thiago picked out Henderson and he knocked it back across goal and he felt that people hadn't reacted quickly enough to that there was the one when Trent was completely unmarked at the back post and Thiago who would usually put that pass on the end of Trent's boot in his sleep, you know, overhit it by about three or four yards. And, you know, I think Simicus had one. And you think of that, you know, I think I think you had to go back to September at Ellen Road for the last time Liverpool had so many shots blocked in a game. I think it was, I think it was 13 on the weekend out of their 22 attempts on goal. And, and, and again, you know, it was, you know, there was some heroic defending from Spurs, but also, I don't know, they just, it too often when players had, two or three touches when they didn't need to and and you know and ultimately you know it comes down to fine margins doesn't it on the last pod side we, we were talking about Mo Salah getting the um, Football Writers Association Player of the Year award and arguably that's for the first half of the season isn't it when he was just sensational wasn't it if you had to judge this second half of the season there's an argument to say Luis Diaz is is Liverpool's best player isn't there there he was again goal I know it was a deflection but just he did, he did in Villarreal changing the game out there here he is, just giving Liverpool some hope here. Well, he makes things happen every time he gets the ball. You, you, you're thinking it could be a goal, an assist, a foul, something. I suppose you contrast that to Salah. That that you don't get that feeling at the moment with him. No, no, far it's from been that it. way for a while now. Klopp has always been loyal to you know the players that have served him well, particularly when it comes to big games. But not really getting much of a tune out of Salah. Enough, I'd say, you know, given what's at stake for Liverpool, you know, when you think Mane has, has done really well as a centre forwards and scored a lot of big goals the last few months, Diaz the same. It just hasn't been, hasn't been that way for Salah. Brilliant in the first half of the season. I mean, I'd say his best form for the club, absolutely outstanding. But since coming back from 
AFCON and then the disappointment of, of uh, not qualifying for the World Cup. He just hasn't quite been on it. But, you know, I still wouldn't be surprised if 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 he, you know, delivers in the big moments in a, in a, in the Champions League final because that's what he's capable of. But, yeah, it, 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 it was frustrating watching him the other night. I, I thought that... Tottenham did a good job on him, but he, he wasn't he wasn't able to develop any rhythm. He didn't he didn't give the indication that he was able to to create a moment that that, that could change the the sort of the the feeling around the game, which was what he was doing all the time, and you know it felt like he was doing regularly certainly in in the first half of the season. We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like Arnie Slot, probably. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Right, on to Villa then. So, reacquaintance with Steven Gerrard, James. And, you know, Villa have found a bit of form, taken seven from the last nine, had a say in the relegation race. Will, will they have a say in the title race? They could have a very big say in the title race, couldn't they? With When you look at their remaining games, you know, Liverpool at home and then, obviously, City away. So, yeah, I think I think we saw enough in that game at, at Anfield earlier on in the season to know that Steven Gerrard, like his affinity with Liverpool and 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 the history won't won't come into his thinking. He'll be desperate after you know a real mixed period for Villa really over the last few months. He'll want to finish this season strongly and you know especially when you see you know Danny Ings looking looking very sharp on the weekend as well. You know there's a there's a number of possible kind of narratives there. So yeah, you know I, I, in the Q and A after the game on. Saturday, I had some people saying to us on, you know, time to make, you know, loads of changes and prioritise the FA Cup final and that. And it's just like, come off it. No, absolutely no chance. You know, there's, whilst this title is still mathematically possible, you have to go with your absolute foot to the floor. I think, I think the one dilemma for Klopp will be how many changes does he make? Because I think it was difficult to say on Saturday whether fatigue did play a part as well. I think probably when you get to game 58 of the season, it probably has to, maybe mental as much as physical. And, you know, a relatively quick turnaround from from Saturday night to a to a Tuesday evening game. So um, you know, you'd imagine that Joel Matip would come back into the, the back four. You'd imagine that, that there'd be a start for, for Naby Keita. You know, obviously he only played the last couple of minutes. You, you wonder even whether he might go for the, the kind of steal of, of James Milner in a you know in in a, a tricky away game like he did at Newcastle the the other week um, and then you know up top he could freshen it up couldn't he with Origi or or with Jota that obviously only played the what the last twenty five so um, but yeah tricky tricky game certainly not expecting uh, Steven Gerrard to hand out seven or eight debuts to uh, to give Liverpool a helping hand it's um, 
there's gonna Klopp's gonna have to get the right response. And he, you know, as he said on Saturday night, the players were down. You know, there was a little bit of doom and gloom around the place, but. Yeah, I think if you can't pick yourself up and be quite excited when you look at the fixture list, which is, you know, you've got an FA Cup final at Wembley on Saturday and a, and a Champions League final against Real Madrid in Paris on the horizon, then something's seriously wrong. And I'm, I'm sure Liverpool will, will come flying out the blocks at Villa Park. And that goes back to what we were saying at the very top side, that they've just set this expectation level so ridiculously high that there's almost a feeling that Liverpool deserve to have all, you know, all, all these trophies. Yeah, well, you can't judge the whole season on the... I don't want to use the word failing because it's not a failure to, to come second in the league and be involved in a title race. But if, if Liverpool don't win the league but then maybe win three other trophies, you know, you can't you can't say, well, he didn't do the quadruple. I'm sure some fans of other clubs, as James alluded to before, you know, all these fans that support Liverpool, you know, Arsenal and Man United fans also willing Liverpool on, apparently, which... Very odd, um, but so yeah, what? What I mean, about I, if you win, what about if you win two trophies and it's the League Cup and the FA Cup? And this well, is just it, hi, it, this yeah. is just hypothetical. Do you, do you have a trophy parade at that point? Yeah, that's a tricky one, that because in any other in any other season in any you would, wouldn't you? So so this reflects on the season that we're seeing. So yeah. go on, give it both. Give us your opinion on okay, this. Well, there, I I would I would say for me, right. I was, I was speaking to a friend earlier on about this, about what gets you going at a football match and why you keep going and, and the purpose of football. And okay, it is about winning, but it's also the sense of jeopardy, really, which uh, jeopardy or the feeling that you might win or lose something. So a friend of mine came around to my house yesterday in Evertonian who I've never seen so buoyed by what's going on or excited about potentially, you know, staying up. And he was saying that the, the reason why is because, you know, years and years and years of being in the mid, you know, mid-table, sort of higher mid-table, lower mid-table, there's very little that gets you off your feet. Now, Liverpool, <laughs> I've got the fans off the feet pretty much all season. It's a season to celebrate, I'd say, it's a season to remember. Regard, even if they ended up not winning anything else. You know, I've got to admit that that's a possibility as well. Chelsea on any given day can cause Liverpool problems. They've still got quality in the team and I, th- I think that the, the ownership situation has affected the club, obviously, and you know they did lose to Everton last week. Pretty poor performance, I'd say. Liverpool could, could absolutely batter them, but Chelsea could equally win that game. So you've got to remember that as well. That's not a gimme. But to answer your question, Steve... I would feel a bit uncomfortable, despite saying all that, I'd still feel a bit uncomfortable about having a big celebration over two domestic cups, particularly two domestic cups, which the club for a long time has not really valued. Yet you say it's a season of celebration. But it should be. It should It should be. I just sort of feel a bit uncomfortable about it. But I'm not saying that these shouldn't. I'd have to seriously think about it. Because the, fo- the focus has been so much on the quadruple and the Champions League and potentially the league as well. That I haven't really given it a great deal of time to think about it that way. I, I, I would feel I would feel given the possibility and the, the points that Liverpool got to, if Liverpool were to to not win both of those competitions, I would still feel disappoint disappointment, but that doesn't undermine the achievement necessarily. Right, James, you've you've written about a, a possible victory parade if Liverpool win the Champions League. Is that how it currently stands? Yeah, the count the council said last week that the parade details they released it will go ahead if if Liverpool win either the Champions League or the Premier League. 
so yeah, I must admit when I read that, I thought well, that's interesting, you know, because you know what, it would be a slightly strange scenario, wouldn't it, to win both domestic cups and not have a parade. I think there should be a parade actually, if that is all Liverpool do end up with, because I well, think, there was in two thousand and six, James. Yeah, but that's a, you know, it's it's a, f- a, f- a fantastic achievement. Like Liverpool haven't won the FA Cup for for sixteen years. Like I'm I'm really looking forward to Wembley on on the weekend. I agree with Sai that I think because of the season it's been, say say for argument's sake, the league running goes as we're probably expecting that City see it out, Liverpool win the FA Cup and then lose to Real Madrid, which is more than possible, it will feel a little bit underwhelming because you'll think back to three weeks earlier and think, you know, I thought we I thought honestly thought we could potentially win the lot and we've ended up with what you'd have to hold your hands up and admit were the two, you know, the probably the third and the fourth priorities rather than the first and the second when the season kicks off. But then I think once the dust had settled, and I think Liverpool fans especially, certainly certainly the, the ones I know would think, but I tell you what, what an unbelievable season that was. And, you know, and to get, what, 90 points or whatever and potentially get pipped to the league title by Man City to potentially, who knows, get edged out of a Champions League final by serial winners like Real Madrid. The idea that that would suddenly be, you know, reason to be like, ah, oh, you know, imagine, remember that terrible season when, you know, when all that happened. Like, I, I just think because of the memories this team have given us this season and the, the ride that we've been on. And I'd also factor in the fact that there wasn't a parade when Liverpool won the Premier League title and obviously Klopp said back then didn't he you know don't worry you know there will be a parade at some point we're just gonna have to be patient and then of course the pandemic rolls on so long that it you know it was then completely and utterly impossible to ever have that I I think there should be one if Liverpool only have you know only have the two imagine what most football clubs are yeah we only won the two domestic cups I mean it's just just, so it seems stupid to even Think about it. When I think, even in my lifetime, the, the, the long spells Liverpool have gone without winning anything. You know, when you know, I remember the excitement when Liverpool won the League Cup under Kenny Dogleish in, you know, what was that, 2012? And they hadn't they hadn't won anything, what was that, six years since the FA Cup in 2006? You know, when, when Klopp won his first trophy with Liverpool, you know, that, that had been a long time again, hadn't it? Having won nothing after Kenny with the, the Rodgers years. So, yeah, I, I think, personally, even if it is only the two domestic cups, there should definitely be a parade. Hopefully that last five minutes will be irrelevant come the end of the season. I just want a word at the end of the pod about um, fans heading to Paris. Of course, mad mad scramble for tickets, Si, at the moment. Everyone's trying to nail down a ticket to get there. They're thinking it's not that far. Prices, what, from €70 Euros to €690, Euros, which I find absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Jürgen said, if you don't get a ticket, Paris is big enough that you can go there without a ticket and have a good time. He's spot on. Paris is lovely. Is that the right thing to say? Should we all be heading to Paris for a good time? Well, it's not like at the end of the, his first season charge when they went to Basel. And, you know, Basel is basically the size of Warrington. That was a bad suggestion, although I can understand why he, uh, he probably got carried away in the moment a little bit. Maybe misunderstanding just the appetite amongst Liverpool fans to be there. You know, it was, it was only early on in his reign. As manager, but I mean, Paris is an enormous city. If, if there was any city where you're going to have an excess number of fans, I would say it's got to be Paris or London, really. But yeah, the ticket situation is is appalling, really. I mean, you wafer to put all those extra tickets on a ballot and to see the prices of people who've won on that ballot charging extortionate amounts of money, that is not a solution to solve football's 
ticketing problems for big games absolutely appalling and you know you're only going to get maybe 20 to 25 like 20 to 25,000 fans of each team's you know in, in each end I think when I think about Madrid you know there was two lively ends of Liverpool and Tottenham and then almost silence in the middle of it all throughout the games and contribute towards the atmosphere I think that needs to be corrected but yeah we'll be writing about that I'm sure on the page of the Athletic over the next uh, couple of weeks because you know I know already I mean I, I, I was quite fortunate that in my group of friends as soon as the game was moved to Paris they booked flights to Brussels on that that day uh, for, for, for 25 quid which I've told James and the other lads in the, the WhatsApp group that I'm on um, so they were ahead of me and I managed you know to, to sort of to plan ahead a little bit particularly when you see the, the, the draw that Liverpool got it was, it was a safe bet that Liverpool would get to the final I'm just I must say I'm just glad that Man City aren't in the final for all sorts of number of reasons really I don't think it would have been a fiesta of football in Paris I don't think we'd have been able to enjoy the weekend on any level. And now, you know, Real Madrid, it's just Real Madrid in Paris, same as 81. If Liverpool were to get a 1-0 a, a win off the daft left-back, I think you'd take that, wouldn't you? I think AK <laughs> and Phil Thompson and David Johnson, they're all going to be busy, aren't they, for the next uh, few weeks? <laughs> Br- brilliant stuff. I just want to give a shout-out before we finish the pod to uh, to everyone from the official Liverpool supporters clubs who came from around the world and I mean like Australia um, Los Angeles everywhere Africa to to Anfield on Friday night and, and celebrated together I know loads of them listened to the pod and, and plenty mentioned uh, how much they enjoy it so thanks very much for the for the great comments hope you enjoyed your trip to Anfield uh, there's some great stuff on the site at the moment including size bit we didn't even get to talk about it on uh, on Jurgen Klopp's contract and the cost of competing at the very top and of course, James's piece from the weekend. This time, Liverpool couldn't find a way. Also, Kiva's written about how brilliant um, Alisson is on one-on-ones. Thank you for listening to the Red Agenda. It's back again later in the week. We'll see you then. <laughs>